Welcome to Bloom Together, the podcast where we cultivate education leadership, innovation, and impact, one conversation at a time. Join us as we learn from visionary leaders, share inspiring stories, and uncover strategies that drive meaningful change in K-12 education. All right, good day, podcast listeners, and welcome back to another episode of Bloom Together. I am Mike Caldwell, your host, and we're excited to bring in another perspective to our conversation about mental health support in our schools. And today I'm in beautiful Marsing, Idaho, in the Marsing School District, and joining me today, a group of, I think, podcast rookies, right? All of you? Okay. So by the end of this episode, they're going to be pros. But joining me, Superintendent Mr. Norm Stewart, welcome. Norm, and then Becky Barkel, is that, did I do that right? Say that okay, okay. Hub coordinator, we're gonna learn about the hub. And then Ken Price, the 21st Century Early Childhood Education Director. So welcome, all of you. Thank you. you. So excited to be here as part of this effort and learning about your work here in Marsing. I had the pleasure of getting a brief tour with Norm just recently and, and quite impressed. So hopefully we can capture some of the great things that are happening. First, talk a little bit about kind of just a brief introduction. We'll start with you, Norm, as the superintendent, kind of how long have you been here? What's your, what's your role here? And then we'll go to Becky and, and then Ken. Well, thank you. I've been with the district. This is my 12th year with the Marshing School District and 11th as superintendent. Um, they've really, uh, my whole foundation of, of my experience has been in small schools and really uh, love working in Marsing. It's one of those situations where in a small school, you really get to know the, the families and the community overall. And so it's been really beneficial to what we've, what we've been able to put together here. Absolutely. Yeah. And your community should be very proud of what you've put together here. And we're going to share that with the rest of the world today. So Becky. Hi, I'm Becky Barkell. I'm the Marsing Schools Hub Coordinator. I coordinate all the services that we bring into the hub. We try to create a one-stop shop, if you will, of services in the school. So being a rural school, we didn't have many services available locally. So our aspect is to just try to change that and bring services in for our students. Yes, and we're going to talk a little bit about that and share more detail on what that looks like. Ken, tell me what, what you do here, how long you've been in the district. I've been here for 19 years. I started out as the 21st Century Community Learning Center Coordinator, which is the after-school program. And then that's morphed into being a director of the Early Learning Center here and helping out writing grants for the hub and other projects in the district. Right on. So let's start with what is a community school? We're here in the hub, as you call it. And it's a pretty interesting geometric shape here. I used to be a geometry teacher. I'm not sure. Is it a dodecagon? How many how many different sides does this place have? Do you guys do you guys know? First quiz of the day. Oh, I'm gonna fail this quiz. I'm a PE teacher. Come on. <laughs> how many classrooms do we have? How many, we have twelve classrooms. 12. Okay, yeah, a so dodecagon. Okay, okay. <laughs> nailed it. Yes. So if you haven't been out here in Marsing and you're listening, this is a really one, just a really cool building that uh, is pretty unique to other buildings that you'll find in the education landscape. And this is the hub of the community school here in Marsing. But a lot of people maybe don't know what a community school is. So who wants to take that? I can take that. Uh, so a community school is really more of a, a for us, it's a community resource center. Um, Marsing itself, definitely a rural, agriculturally based community. 
but the community doesn't have very many resources really overall. And especially when we first started this work, the food pantry had closed, senior center had closed. And so for our families to be able to access services, they would have to go to some local communities, closest of which is Homedale. That's 10 miles away. But when you're talking about 10 miles, there's only one direction. It's 20 miles. And so for some of our families and as they are traveling in the price of gas, it becomes difficult for them to be able to seek services. And so what our hub is, it's a community resource center involving partners to provide a situation where we can provide services that reduce barriers that negatively impact our students and their families. And so trying to bring in as many resources as possible to our students and help their families because if the families are suffering, so are our students. And if they can't focus on their education because they're hungry and there's food insecurities, then that's not doing them doing them justice. And so it's really a, a facility where the school district, the community, and partners come together to provide resources for our students to help reduce barriers. Yeah. Before being here, I heard that but I was having a hard time conceptualizing. So what are those services? What does that look like? So Becky, as the hub coordinator, can you talk about specifically what are those services that are that are provided here at the hub? So the services that we have here at the hub, I run a clothing and food pantry. Families can come once a week. Every service that we have here is, well, the food and clothing are totally free. We partner with Addo Food Bank to bring in food and then all the clothing are community-based donations. So families can access it once a month at no charge. We also have three early learning preschools that Marsing didn't have previous to this time. We have brought in outside counseling. So we have counseling on site. So students no longer have to travel or take off a part of a day or a whole day just to see a counselor. And we also have a school-based nurse now. We have a nurse practitioner. She can actually um, see students and she does have the ability to diagnose and write scripts if needed. Then we have given an office space to our county sheriff, our police force. So they are here presence and on site. So we feel that actually deters maybe some negative behaviors because if you see a sheriff's truck out there, you're likely going to behave a little better. (laughs) That is the main things that we have here. Yeah, quite extensive in terms of offerings to support the community. Ken, did did you pull this model off of somewhere else? Where did where did this come from? I mean, is this is this something that was created original to Marsing, or how would you describe that? You know, I've got to give credit to Norm for his vision coming from Oregon. He knew more about community schools than anybody here in Marsing. And when we passed the bond in 2017 and this building became available, he had this vision of this is where the community school is going to be. And to be honest, I just thought, how in the world is he going to fill that space up? Because it's a big building, a former middle school with a food pantry and preschools and mental health facilities. And I was like, how is that all going to happen? So we just started taking one step at a time and Norm started driving the boat and we just kind of fell in line and things just started to fall in place. And, and here we are. You know, someone that might be listening might be thinking, well, that sounds really expensive. The cost to do something like that for a community is is probably not something we can do. But when we look at your numbers, the cost of what, what it costs to run first and also what you've brought in as a community is quite impressive. Your return on investment for, for the community is quite impressive. Can one of you guys speak to 
kind of the finances of, of this and, and how that's benefited also the community? Everything that we offer here, uh, we really pr- focus on our partnerships and focus on grants. It does take time in regards to writing grants and trying to make sure that we have sustainability. But if we're looking at the times that it takes to operate our hub, the district office would still be located in this building. And so we would still have all the main utilities and everything that would be in this building. The only thing that wouldn't be would be our custodial services for our preschools. And so as we were doing calculations, looking at what that would cost, we uh, went through and those costs were right around $11,000 a year to provide the custodial services. If you're looking at since we originated in late 2019 to date, when you're calculating grants that have been written and received, donations, calculations on volunteer hours, we brought in more than $3.8 million to this community that would not have been here without the hub being in operation. Yeah. I might have peeked out on my comment on Dodecagon on the math part. So I'm trying to do the return on investment of $11,000 a year and three point what? Uh, 3.8. Yeah. It's, it's a pretty good return. It is a little bit. Yeah. We'll yeah, just, yeah. we'll just round up to say it's, it's a pretty good return. So, but why was this effort initiated? So you, you have a great thing going now. It's been around four, four years or so right, right. In, in, in place. What was the kind of catalyst to make this happen? Well, it really did come from the from the origination that there's a lack of services within the Martian community. I mean, trying to look at what was what was needed, we did a a needs assessment to try to understand as we were having this this objective and this goal to establish this facility, we were really trying to assess what is it that that the community needs. We survey our, our patrons every spring do a parent satisfaction survey, and so we had incorporated the year before we opened. A, a quasi needs assessment that we had created incorporated into that survey. And the things that came to light was early childhood education, uh, food and co- clothing pantry, and then the mental health and primary care. And so those are the things that we're really focused on. And if you're looking within the community and the lack of resources, how we were trying to strive for, how can we better provide and bring in those partners that could help contribute for the services that aren't here or aren't readily accessible. There is a small Terry Riley clinic here within the, the, the community, but it also, the, the county is very big. And so uh, to being able to try to make sure that we can expand what opportunities are there for, for those families. And as we're looking at, and we've been questioned on, well, why did you start doing this, especially for our, for our kids? Your, your school, you're supposed to be in education, and we are. But if you're looking at the things that our students, that the school district is rated on in the state report card, how are the students doing on student achievement? How are they doing on attendance, graduation rates, college and career readiness? All of those things can be negatively impacted by barriers that come up, such as the food insecurities or mental health. And so if those services aren't provided in the community, how can we as a school district incorporate them through partnerships that don't cost the school district so that we allow our teachers to continue to teach within their classrooms and focus on the kids? But how can we bring in those resources that the community doesn't offer and have them in a central site? And the fact that we were in a position to have a facility for this. We were very fortunate and we've been able to capitalize rather than tearing down this building to be able to repurpose it and focus it on the needs of our kids and their families. And so that's really the reason why why this originated. Yeah. 
I think it's really cool that within this building you have early childhood education and then adult learning. You have the, the gamut, right? right. So, Ken, can you talk a little bit about the early childhood education program that you have here and, and what that looks like? Sure. We started out in 2019. Idaho Association for the Education of Young Children offered a grant to districts in Idaho to start planning a early learning center in their district. And of course, Norm had a vision of, you know, we want to have an early learning center in our community school center. And so we started that process. We started planning the early learning center. I knew nothing about preschools at the time, but we just go forward in faith and we learn and we take direction from people who do know what's going on. And so we got funding for Husky Pups, which is our preschool, our community-based preschool that is located in the hub along with the Head Start and the Casa Developmentally Challenged Preschool for kids that have some challenges with early learning. And then we've just persevered and taken direction from Idaho AYC. And the early learning centers have been a great success here in Marsing because there is no other licensed childcare center in Marsing. And it filled that gap that Head Start has because they provide early learning center or services for those who are lower income level. And so we needed some facility to fill the need for the uh, uh, families who are not uh, qualified for Head Start. And so it's been a great service for our families to get their children ready for kindergarten so that they can succeed right off the bat in kindergarten. Pretty important. Glad you guys are doing that. And that's uh, that's pretty impressive. And I saw that you have basically three different rooms dedicated to early childhood education here, plus the adult learning. Very, very impressive. Becky, can you talk a little bit about the partnerships that you guys have here? Norm showed me a list and and that would probably be an entire episode by itself just going through all the partners, but maybe just zero in on some key partners that have helped get this established and and that you would like to kind of recognize. Yeah, so there's, like you say, there's so many. Our list is as long and it gets longer every year. The main ones that um, contribute to my side of it would be the Idaho Food Bank, LADA, which is a community-based action center. And then we also have Blue Cross Foundation of Idaho. They have recently contributed quite a bit. And then United Way, I would like to thank mostly um, due to the funding that they give me, makes it possible for me to be here. We've gotten funding for the last three years to pay for my salary. So that ensures that I can continue the work I do. And then we have multiple. I was partnered with Micron, with Idaho Power. There's just so many, it's hard to even. Yeah, so, yeah. And then, like I said, the the County Sheriff helps us, Marsing Lions Club, City of Marsing, Insight Counseling, Southwest District Health. They are really based providing for our school nurse that we have now, BSU. They have helped with the nursing program also. We have nursing students from BSU that come out twice a year and provide services to us. They intern here. And then we also twice have a week? twice a year. So a year. the two okay. semesters. So we have two gotcha. different groups come out each year. Okay. And then we also have a professor of nursing, BSU. He comes out and gets his clinical hours here. So he donates a day of time to Marcy's schools once yeah. a week. And so, I mean, it's just a wonderful conglomeration. It's been all made possible due to all those generous partners that we have. And developing and, and maintaining those partnerships is I would imagine a lot of work. Is that your role as the hub coordinator primarily, or is that a team effort? How does that work? I think it's pretty much a team effort. I mean, the three of us, we split the duties. Um, I try to take as much of it as I can because Norm being superintendent, of course, has 
you know, many other duties. And Most can, superintendents don't do anything, <laughs> let's be honest. <laughs> he just looks pretty. <laughs> and then Ken, you know, he's, he's amazing with his grant writing. I mean, he's made a lot of this possible. He, he gives credit where, everywhere else, but he needs to, I need to give credit where credit is due too. Because if it wasn't for United Way and for Ken, I might not be sitting here talking with you. So, yeah. 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 Awesome. So our whole conversation on this whole series that we're doing is supporting youth mental health. I don't think it's a stretch to say that this community hub and this approach that you're doing has a direct impact on mental health of our youth or mental health specifically of the youth at, at Marsing. Can one of you speak to maybe making that connection? I can definitely speak towards that. And we've been very fortunate. We're part of a grant called Project Aware, and that has provided some different resources for our entire district. So it's PBIS district-wide, Sources of Strength with the Suicide Prevention Group that for district-wide. And then they also provide funding. Have you paused there for a second? I think most people maybe listening might know what PBIS is. We've talked about it in some previous episodes or even Sources of Strength. Can you just talk a little bit about when you're talking about those programs, what what are those programs? And so so for the the PBIS, we have, uh, it's allowed us to have training to come into our each of our buildings and provide a support staff so we have a, a group that is in charge of each of the each of the buildings and establish that program really working with kids and trying to provide more positive interventions to our students whether that's academic or behaviorally and trying to provide incentives for them to improve for sources of strength that's student-led groups really trying to focus on for us suicide prevention and trying to help our students who may be struggling with depression. And I can talk more about that here in a, in a second. And then uh, it also provides funding for an outside counseling agency to, to come in and provide counseling here at the hub. And that's beneficial to us for students who would be more of a, a high need, what would be called a tier three intervention that needs that specialized services. If we had families that would need to access that for their students in a normal situation, they would have to access those in another community. Yeah. And so for those students, they may miss a half day or a full day of school for them to access those services. The fact that we can provide a counselor on site here from an outside counseling agency that student is really only missing one class period. And so that that student can get the services that they need to address their their mental health needs and then be able to go right back to class. Parents don't have to miss work. That's, everything is accessible right here. We also have access uh, through telehealth if that's a better format for some of our students who need that. Um, I will say that we do have a need for even another counselor. Uh, we have students even on a wait list because the demand is is so high, but there is a counselor shortage. And so trying to be able to find qualified people to come in and work with our, our needy students has has been a challenge. Yeah. For us, we, uh, and it's been mentioned as far as, um, as part of our nursing project, which was funded through the Blue Cross of Idaho Foundation for Health, it was to to show, because before the nurse, our, our nurse was the secretary. If you need a Band-Aid, you need anything, go see the secretary in the schools. To try to provide for us to be able to have a school nurse, there was pilot funding for that. And along with that, we needed to provide data. We did a, a student survey of all middle and high school students. And within that survey, we were able to really look at um, a broad spectrum where it addressed with mental emotional health, but also substance exposure for substance abuse and those kind of things. And then once the, all that data came in, that was in spring of 2022, then we brought that data before the community and did a community meeting and broke down that data. And the two points that we really 
were focused on was the mental health from the standpoint that that survey showed that for our middle and high school students in spring of 2022, 66% of our students were suffering from moderate to severe depression. And the other part was that was disturbing was that the perception was that only 31% of our students were nice to each other. And is there a correlation there? Possible. Sure. So we launched a, we launched a, a campaign to try to focus on kindness, but that also brought to light that definitely continued to, there's a need for the mental health interventions. We launched a campaign. We were able to, we re-surveyed in spring of 2023. And I am happy to say that, that those numbers did come down. Those numbers came down to only 30% of our middle and high school students said that they were suffering from it came through that they were suffering from moderate to severe depression. That's great because it's over half that we cut it, but that still means 30% of our kids are suffering. Unfortunately, the, the, the other part that is that definitely signifies that we have worked to, to continue to work on yeah. is that that perception of kids being nice to each other went down to only 27%. And so we have, we have efforts that we are trying to, trying to work on and trying to, through our sources of strength, through our PBIS, trying to help those students who, who need those, those interventions and trying to help. But it really highlighted the need for that mental health. And I'm very thankful for our partnerships that we can be able to provide that on-site mental health counseling. Now, that Project AWARE grant is a five-year grant, and we're in year four or five. And so now we're also in a position where we are needing to look at sustainability. Yeah. And that comes down to Ken and, uh, and trying to write more grants. And, and, and so that was a, with this model, that is a challenge. And so trying to make sure that you're continuing to provide the services that you have and still maintaining those partnerships through Becky and trying to make sure that not only we're maintaining, but trying to expand. And so it's the sustainability part that we are continuing to look at, but it all focuses around those students' needs. And that mental health side is, is definitely a highlight in what we're trying to focus on. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for that kind of broader overview and, and the connection back to, to mental health. Ken, does it, does it get any easier over, over time to, to write the grants and to, to build the support for what you're doing, or does it get more, more challenging? It's an adventure. <laughs> if I start to think of it as a job and a burden, then it gets even more harder uh, and difficult. So I try and get in the mindset of here's an opportunity for me to be of service. And that's easy here in a community like Marsing. It's a small community. People know each other. I'm from Boise. It was interesting for me to to work in a small town like this and see how things operate because it's a little different. Mm -hmm. But, you know, the opportunities just seem to present themselves at the right time for the right reason, for the need that we're looking for at the time. And as we go through the process of establishing these partnerships and looking for grants, luckily for me, with the 21st Century Community Learning Center grant that I started out here in Marsing with the Idaho Department of Education, Part of my mandate was to sustain my program because, again, it's a five-year grant and, you know, we have to find partnerships and, and other grants outside of the 21st century grant to keep things running. And so I already had a mindset of, yeah, I'm always looking for money. I'm walking down the sidewalk. I'm looking <laughs> for $20 bills. We apply for everything. No grant opportunity is too small for us to apply for because if I have that mindset, then I'm always ready to take advantage of it. So a thousand dollar grant, you know, thousand dollars here, thousand dollars here, pretty soon you're talking about some real money. And what we found is that money attracts money. 
partnerships attract other partnerships. When we start making those connections, we start talking to other people, and they're like, hey, you know, tell me more about what you're doing out there. You know, maybe I can help, or I know this person here that has done something that, you know, might be able to help you out. Right. And so as we just keep moving forward, momentum is a big deal. Once we keep that momentum going, then it, it just becomes routine, really. Yeah, yeah, awesome. Yeah. So there's some job security there also, right? There's more opportunity means more, yeah, a little bit more job security that you're still needed here and there's still more work to be done. So yeah, personally, I'm, I'm highly motivated to find money because that's how I fund my job. So it's not all, it's not all service oriented. I have a little selfish interest as well. Well, you obviously do a heck of a job with it. So kudos to you. Becky, back to you, you know, we talked about the connection with mental health and oftentimes when we talk about those connections, we, we go right to kind of the midstream kind of approaches of providing counseling and programs and things like that for kids that are needing some support. But in this, these conversations we've had, we've also talked a lot about the upstream kind of focus on what we can do to prevent or to get, you know, to provide the basic needs for, for students to help them remain healthy or stay healthy. And what you're doing so much of is, is really a lot of that upstream is providing some real basic needs, not just for the kids, but for the families in the community. Wouldn't you say that that is also a huge contributor to the support of students' mental health here? Oh, for sure. And I've seen it firsthand because when I, I have the food pantry, but I also have another support system from the Idaho Food Bank. They have what they call the weekend backpacks and I deliver those every week. And it's funny that the little kids, when they see me coming and they know, like they'll see me walking down the hallway or if they see me on a different day, they'll be like, Hey, don't forget me. And I'm like, Oh, I, I won't forget you. Or yeah. that, or they oh, smile. Great. They'll see me outside the school and they're like, Hey, you're the lady who brings me food or when they come to the pantry, um, they're able to shop for clothes. And when I take them on the other side and they, they're like, I can, I'm like, just pick out a few things. They're like, I can, I can have these things. I'm like, yes. And the, just the smiles and the hugs. I mean, it's so worth it. And the families that I help, I mean, I'm told all the time that sometimes they probably wouldn't make it if the school didn't have these resources for them. And just to know that, that just what most people take for granted every day, opening the refrigerator, you know, having things to have or opening a pantry and, and not having bare shelves, just those basic needs. The fact that we can provide that for these families and make that difference, make them smile and make them want to get up and come to school every day, it just makes it even easier to do what we're doing. Yeah, you're taking out away a, a huge worry of security and and clothing and warmth by providing the you know clothing and food and all the things that really are just absolute basic needs, so that they can focus on education and social life and all the things that we want for our kids to to really focus on. So that's great. So to round this out, say I'm an education leader listening to this this conversation, maybe I'm even a legislator, another superintendent, another district. What would your words of advice or wisdom be for those listeners that maybe want to learn more about this or how they can bring something like this to their community? If anyone has questions, um, we're always happy to, to be able to try to answer them. We have had a number of groups come out and tour our facility and every community school looks different. If you're, we happen to be in a rural community, uh, there are community schools in, in more urban areas. And so for us, we don't have resources or very many resources in the community. So our, our model is trying to bring those resources here. If you're in a larger community where those resources are already established, maybe the role is to help families make 
a link or a connection with those groups. And so everyone's going to look different. And so for us, what I would relay to people is find out as far as if you're wanting to explore community schools, there are organizations and school districts who are already doing the model. And all of us are willing to help promote this throughout the state. And this is a, a model that I personally believe that could benefit students throughout the state and their families and help them be successful. And so just to encourage those administrators or legislators that here's something that you don't have to start with. And we're fortunate that we have a facility. We were able to do it in a much more grander scale. American Falls, Randy Jensen, the superintendent there, they've done a fantastic job. They're in the same position. They, they had a facility. They could repurpose that. But in another school district, it may start in a closet. Just start somewhere and to really try to assess the needs of your community. Know your community. What are the greatest needs within that area? Is it food insecurities? Is it, is it mental health? What, what is that? So to really help those administrators understand the community, you have your perceived needs, and then there's the real needs. And so identify what those needs are. Start somewhere. You can start small. It doesn't have to be grand, but as long as you start somewhere and you can make an impact on on the kids' lives to help them be more successful. Absolutely. Yeah, and and I would just reiterate everything you said and I, and just say, you know, if you're if you're really interested in learning more, it's worth a site visit. I learned a little bit through conversations about what you're doing here, but when you come and you actually see it and talk to great people like you that are running it, it adds a whole nother perspective to what you're doing and, and, and just really feel the impact. And it's really cool. I, I mentioned, you know, one of the reasons that you were able to do this is when you passed a bond in 2017 to build a new school, it freed up this building and through that, through freeing this, this up, you were able to turn it into this amazing hub. So it's like this circle of life where the community kind of fed you and, and said, we're going to support your bond. And, and in turn, you're kind of feeding the community back and bringing them together through this, this approach. And it's a real, real beautiful thing. And I'm glad you mentioned that there's other schools that are doing this. The American Falls School District is another one. If you're on the eastern side of, of the state of Idaho and maybe want to see something a little bit closer, that's, that's a great one to hopefully Randy is okay with us sending people his way to, for visits. Um, absolutely. And the timing is also really nice because the United Way and the partners associated with, with them just received a pretty significant federal grant to build out more community centers across the state of Idaho. So what an opportunity to learn more about this from the people like you that are doing it and doing it really well. And there are, as far as Throughout the state of Idaho, I believe it's we're up to 41 community schools in the state of Idaho, but of the 115 school districts, it's only in 25 of those school districts. So there's a lot of room for expansion and growth. And so when we're definitely willing to help anyone who's who's even interested in even talking about exploring it. Absolutely. Well, with that, any other comments that you guys would like to leave our, our listeners before we close this out? Yeah, I'd just like to add to what Norm was saying is that any school in Idaho can't start a community school center. You know, my advice would be to start where you are, find an empty spot or a classroom in your school, start with a food pantry, explore the opportunity of starting a, a small preschool, and just assess uh, what your needs are in the even neighborhood of uh, what families are looking for, and then identify a strong leader who's willing to take some risk 
and be committed and see the thing through like Norm has done here in Marsing and uh, things just start to fall into place. Absolutely. And I, and I do think that it, it really, you need to have the buy-in of the leadership and for people who are willing to take the chance and to have a great staff that, that is willing to also put in the extra work and, and to be able to do this. And I do know that as far as it is the money thing that, that scares people off and that sustainability, well, what's going to happen if we do start it, how are we going to sustain it? And as Ken said earlier, it's incredible to think about, but money does bring money. And if they see that you're doing positive Partners. things or contacting us and wanting to partner, uh, we have grants. We're being contacted. You really should apply for this grant or this grant. And because people know the work that we're trying to provide for our students and for the community. And so have, have faith and willing to, to take that chance and explore. There's lots of support out there. I know Community Schools Coalition is there for as a resource as well. But be willing to take the chance. It's the kids are worth it. Absolutely, well said, and I think that's uh, that nails it right there. The kids are worth it. Absolutely. So kudos to you guys and the great work that you're doing here. I hope others that are listening will will uh, will peek in and and take a, take a look at what you guys are doing and and see how that might apply to their own community. So. With that, we'll close out and thank you again to our guests, Norm, Becky, and Ken. You guys have been wonderful. And to the Marston community, for thanks for, for allowing us to peek in and learn about what you're doing. So until next time, thanks to our listeners and listening in our episode on supporting mental health for our youth. And we'll see you next time. Thank you for joining us to explore education leadership, innovation, and impact here on Bloom Together. We encourage you to continue these dialogues in your communities, classrooms, and organizations. Be sure to visit bloom.org together where you can discover more episodes or click join the conversation if you'd like to be a guest. Until next time, keep learning, keep blooming, and keep making an impact one conversation at a time.